0: Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephanie and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by author Danny Angelis, author of Deferred Glory, Heroes of the Negro Leagues. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: It's my pleasure, Stephanie.
0: Oh, thrilled to have you and such an important book. Uh, Tell me, how did it get started? I mean, how did you get interested in the first place?
1: Well, I'm a freelance photographer and I befriended a man by the name of Andy Mealy. Andy was an author of about six books most of five of them were baseball books and one was a book called the italian squad which is all about uh the uh, italian squad back in the 1800s prior to the mafia coming into play they investigated organized crime in new york and andy's grandfather was part of that squad <laughs> and the, and the the commander was the infamous Joseph Petrosino. He is the only person in NYPD killed in the line of duty in overseas. Really? Still till today, the only one. So after doing that, Andy said to me, Danny, you know, I want you to do some research on three guys in Staten Island that played Negro baseball. And I knew two of them. I knew Sonny Logan and Glenn Mosley. I didn't know Jules Bowers. He had already passed away in 1977. So I began researching them, reading about them in books, online, and as I was researching it, I called Andy up and I said to him, I'm almost finished with the, with the book, with the research. What do you want to do with it? Andy wrote in the Staten Island Advance, a mer- memories column. Okay. And that's what he was going to do, individually put each one of those men in his column. So un- unfortunately, I get a phone call from his daughter that Andy went to the hospital. Oh. And I call him up, and and he didn't sound oh. good. But he said, oh, I'm only here till the weekend. I'll be coming home. But it was the pandemic already started. So he said to me, Take the research papers, put them in an envelope, and leave them in my mailbox. I don't want to come in contact with you because of the pandemic. He said, but while you're doing that, he says, I want you to do some research on these 35 uh, black Negro baseball players that were inducted into the Hall of Fame. So I said, "Okay, I'll do it. So I drop off the papers. And it's August 7th, August 6th, and he, I called him at night. I said, you got the papers? Yeah, I got them. I'm reading them. And he says, you did a good job. I said, thank you. Well, the next morning, I get a phone call from Andy's daughter, Christine, that Andy went back in the hospital. Oh, no. So I, she said, Danny, give him a call. He said, he's down in the dumps. <clears throat> so I called him boy was he down in the dumps. Oh, I didn't stay on the phone long, Stephanie, cuz I could tell he wasn't the old Andy. Oh. He says, oh, "I'm going to be home tomorrow, don't worry." He says, "We'll talk about your research project with those 35 guys." Well, August 8th came, and I get a phone call from Christine that he passed away oh, in sorry. the hospital. So, I was devastated. I went to Andy's wake, and I went to his funeral, and Days would go by, and all of it, and, I, and it bothered me. I said, "You know, I've read all these books, and what am I going to do with this?" I said, "I've never written a book before, but I'm going to try it." So that's how that book came wow, about.
0: Wow! And here it is for Andy. Yep,
1: that's and I and I dedicated the book to my good friend Andy Mealy.
0: Fantastic! Yep. Fantastic! So. As a person who is not nearly as familiar with the Negro Leagues as you are, tell me about the history a little bit. When did they get started? When did they get integrated? With, you know. Well, they
1: were. They got started back in the early 1800s. Okay. And a a lot of people think modern day time Jackie Robinson was the first black to integrate Major League Baseball. Right. But he wasn't the first black to play major league baseball back then before the color barrier came in there were a few black guys that played. Really? Yep. Oh I didn't know that. Some of them didn't look black they passed for for white. Right. But there was a guy Fleet Walker and his brother Wendell who played two or three games in the major leagues. So in reading that I said to myself well in reality these guys were in the first blacks to right, play in right. the major leagues, yes, it's true, but they didn't integrate the major gotcha, leagues
0: gotcha. and that's
1: where the credit goes with uh,
0: with jackie with
1: Jackie Robinson
0: right, right, but these Negro leagues, how many Negro leagues were there? there
1: was about ten okay they had, dif- they had the the uh, national Negro League, they had the American Negro League, they had the eastern Negro League, the colored Negro League, and they played all over right. But I'm amazed that I don't know if I could have put up with what they went through. Tell me. Racial-wise, segregation was rampant in, with the Jim Crow laws in, in the South, especially. They, uh, they would go down there and find out, well, the only way they're going to sleep in a hotel is if it, the hotel accepted only blacks. So there were whites on the team by then, and the whites stayed in the hotel. And these poor black guys either s- slept in the benches of the park that they oh. played in, or went back and slept on the bus. And they they were mistreated, not only by the fans, by their own owners. Really. Because their owners didn't pay them, or they paid them minimal wage. So, but they withstood it all because they had the dream they wanted to be major league b- ball players. Wow and uh, wow. some of them were funny you know the stories they told i, I uh, one story uh, satchel page was a cl- he was a clown satchel page was a jokester he told a story when that he uh that cool papa bell was another ball player he said uh, he can get into bed before the lights switch off <laughs> so one day Bell was back at the, at the house, the hotel, and he was tired, so he went to shut the light switch off. There was something wrong with the light switch. It was a, a hesitation. So he says, oh, I'm going to get even with old Satch. And he put the, hit the light switch and jumped in bed, and the lights went out. So he, he, Satch comes back from wherever he was, and he says to him, Satch, he says, you know I'm the fastest man going, right? He says, you as fast as hell. <laughs> he says, you know, Satch, I'm so fast that I could turn that light switch off and before the lights go out, I'll be under the covers. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he did it. <laughs> and Satch, Satch Page couldn't believe it. They And Cool Papa Bell sat, laid there in bed laughing. And that's how that story Got to be told, yeah. But it was a true story. He nice. did s- turn off the lights and get in before the lights went out.
0: Nice, yeah. And uh, <laughs>
1: they had fun. They also they had they, they made fun f- and and then they w- traveled all over the uh, the Midwest and the West. And the guy who did that was uh, Rube Foster. Okay. And he was he was considered the architect and the uh, uh, the, the architect of the Negro League. And he actually integrated the Negro League because he took one of his teams, the Cuban ex-Giants, and barnstormed throughout the country. Barnstorming meant you went from town to town playing other teams. Back then, whites would refuse to play against black teams, yep. And, And whites refused to integrate to play. But Rube Foster, he changed all that. He went all around. And, really? and he had a, the Cuban X Giants were a great team. And from from his innovation with this bondstorming with them, caused other teams to do it. And they made their money that way. Uh, he came back home, and he lived in Calvert Texas, Texas. They had a big parade for him. Really? Yep. And he turned in to be an, an executive. Great pitcher, but he realized... The money was in owning a team, and, and that's, that's what he wind up doing. Fantastic. So he was, he's in the Hall of Fame as a player executive, and then there was the only woman in the Hall of Fame, Effie Manley, and she, she's in the Hall of Fame. She uh, was the owner of the Newark Eagles with her husband, Abe Manley, and uh, how they how they came to get together. Effa was a very big Yankee fan, and she went to Yankee Stadium during the World Series, and met Abe Manley, mm-hmm. and they got married the, uh, within a year or so.
0: Right.
1: So, and they went. The first team they bought was the Brooklyn Royal Giants, in Brooklyn, and then F- Abe's. Abe said, you know, this team in Jersey, the Newark Eagles, they're a good team. I'm going to buy them and we'll incorporate them. And that's what they did. The Royal Giants left Brooklyn and they went and they intermingled and became the Newark Eagles together. And that's the team. She told her husband, she said, you run that front office. I'm taking care of the team. And she, really? Oh, yeah. She ran the team. They loved her, but she used to tell the guys when they went on the road bondstorming, told them how to dress and everything, and and she took care of them. If they had money problems or they had problems at home with their wives or whatever, she would sit them down and talk to them. So they loved her.
0: Nice.
1: And and like and she's I said, in the hall of fame? she's in the Hall of Fame. She's the only woman... In the Hall of Fame, in from the Negro League,
0: right, right,
1: and and most of the, and the funny part was most of the owners of teams in the Negro League, were what they call numbers men, they were they were bookies, okay, and that's where they made their money. They made their money doing numbers. They were able to own the team, and uh, there's a, a gentleman by the name of Alex Pompez, he, was a bookie up in Harlem, New York and he ran numbers out of his uh, c- cigar store, and uh, he was so lucrative that the mobster, Dutch Schultz came knocking on his door one day and said, uh, Mr. Pompez, uh, you're no longer doing numbers up here in Harlem. I'm taking them over. So he did for a while, but then then he got locked up, Dutch Schultz, and he died, and Pompez took the bookie place over again, but through a liquor store, <laughs> and he he left to go to Venezuela because they he got a tip that they were going to lock him up, and he got bored in Venezuela, so he promised to come back to New York and testify against the mobs mobsters that were doing numbers and whatever, and. Uh, he lived <laughs> after testifying against them.
0: Wow. And he
1: owned, he owned a baseball field up in the up in, uh, upper part of Manhattan called the Dykeman Oval. He renovated it, mm-hmm. and they ran carnivals and concerts out of there. And ironically, down the street from the Dykeman Oval was a pool called Miramar Pool.
0: Okay.
1: As a young man, my grandparents and aunts lived up in that area, Dykeman Street. As a young man, I went to that pool.
0: Really? Yes,
1: but Dykeman Over was long gone. Uh, I didn't, I asked my grandfather back then, "What was over there?" What, but it became the Dykman Housing Projects. Okay. And uh, and that that's part of the.
0: the that's part of the history. The, the
1: history of the story there, and it's. They had a good time. You know, you had to make the best of your your time in the the Negro League because your dream was to become a a Major League Baseball player.
0: Right, right. Now, tell me a little bit about the chronology. When were they first admitted into the Major Leagues and when were they first admitted into the Hall of Fame?
1: 1947 Mm -hmm. is when Jackie Jackie, Robinson was was, uh, brought in by Branch Rickey. Okay. And then... Little by little, the the uh, Negroes from the Negro League, Roy Campanella, Larry Doby, uh, Monty Irvin, they they all came into the, from the Negro League and and were drafted into the major leagues. Okay. So, the first person to get into the Hall of Fame was Satchel Page in 1971, and then. It took time, three years, four years, but the greatest span was from 1993, I think, not until 2006. Really? Yep. Why is that? Well, my feeling is there's still prejudice and, yeah. and uh, against them. In 2006 is the last entry from the Black League they in, they uh, incorporated 17. Okay. And I'm saying to myself, from from 1993 to 2006, why didn't you spread these 17? Right.
0: The right. Why well, do it all at once? Exactly.
1: Right. Now, it's now 2021. Right. No one has been inducted into the Hall of Fame since then.
0: Since 2006? Nope.
1: No blacks from the Negro League. Wow. A few months ago, they stated that anybody from 1920-something until 1948, they are now considered Major League Baseball players.
0: So the entire Negro Leagues are considered Major Leagues. Yes. Gotcha.
1: And and there's quite a number of guys that are going to eliminate The records of some of the the guys.
0: Really? Tell me about that. One in
1: particular is going to be is is Josh Gibson. Josh Gibson, right now, before this happened, Ted Williams was the highest batting average from one year. Okay. Four oh four, I think. Well, Josh Gibson hit four oh six. Really. So that was the end of. That's the end of that. Yeah. Ted Williams. Right now, if somebody said to me. Well, who was the guy who hit the most batting average? Yeah. Josh Gibson.
0: Look at that. So that's just this year that all of the Negro Leagues? All this
1: happened, yeah. Yeah. Now, the Negro League, I don't know why they stopped at uh, 1958, 50 rather, because the Negro Leagues actually went all the way up to 1966.
0: Okay, so they yeah. were running concurrently, even though they were now accepted yeah. into the major leagues. Yep. They were still going.
1: Yeah, and 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 sporadically the crowds came. Okay, Be, but back back when the Negro League was in full bloom, right? They got they they actually had they had an East West Classic that they called. It was the equivalent of an All Star game. They outdrew the major league. Really? Oh, for twenty years, and and it was filled with black people and mm. white people right, too. Right, right. They just enjoyed these guys playing. Right. And uh, the, in, in one of the books I read, uh, Shades of Glory, and also a book called Only the Ball Was White. And that was by Robert Peterson. And he, he brought into the fact that with race and uh, the reason why the uh, owners of the major league teams didn't want blacks in there. Mm. They were afraid of rioting. Oh, uh, they were they they were afraid that nobody w- no whites would come to the ballpark because they w- didn't want to intermingle with blacks. And there was a few other things, and uh, it it just it made no sense. Right. One of the owners, uh, Griffith, he was the owner of the Washington. Uh, senators at the time. He got a hold of Josh Gibson and Buck Leonard and s- asked them, would you want to play in the Major League? So he says, yeah, of course we, we'd love to play in the Major League. Now they're thinking this guy is going to get them in there. And he says to them, well, would you be able to hit the, the pitching in the Major League? So Buck Leonard said, yeah, we'll hit some, but some we're not going to hit. Yeah. So he said to them, he says, "Well, you guys, you colored boys ain't ready to get in the major leagues." And that was the end.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: that's what he told them. And and there was only recently I and I have the article from the, the New York Post. The 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 owner of the of the uh, major leagues back not the owner, I'm sorry, the commissioner was was a man by the name of Judge Kinesaw Mountain Landis. Well, the major leagues uh named the most valuable player in the American League and in the National League award after him. Well, they took him away because they found out that he was against integration of the of Gotcha. The, and that just happened.
0: Yeah. No, I think I remember reading that yes. recently too.
1: And uh so that was it. It was I it was an eye opener for me, Stephanie. I bet. And I enjoyed I enjoyed the, the, the reading. The process? Yeah, and I only last night I I, I took the uh, the book uh, only the ball was white and started reading parts of it again, and uh, and you, you say to yourself, my God, I know, I know because it's me, I'd be gone home a long time ago. I, I wouldn't withstand.
0: Yeah, I mean they took a lot for yes. years.
1: Yep, and and. Throwing things at them, oh my gosh, and and using the N word like it's nothing, right, right, and uh, they withstood it all. I think there was only one ball player that actually went into the stands, (laughs) and his team followed him in there, and uh, they they just after a while they got uh, disgusted and tired of it.
0: Yeah, I don't blame them.
1: Yeah, and some of the ball players uh, hit. And threw dirt on the umpires too, because the umpires were corrupt too. Oh, Yeah, They they were they favored certain teams, and uh, made made calls that w- weren't the right call. Right. And the players re- uh, rebelled because of it.
0: They had to really love the game to oh, put yeah. up with that. Yep. I mean, that's a yes. lot. Yes.
1: Yep. And and a lot of people back then, when Jackie Robinson got got into the major leagues, a lot of people s- said, Roy Campanella being one, that Monty Irvin should have been the first one. Really? Yeah. Now, in reading through the books that I read, I feel that the reason why Jackie Robinson got picked by Branch Rickey was Jackie Robinson was in the military.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He was an officer, and I I I know because I was in the military. You you learn to be disciplined. Yeah. And I think that's what saved Jackie Robinson to get picked because right. he put up with a lot when he when he uh, got into the. You yeah, Got
0: to be the first the one. Dodge. I'm sure he put yeah. up with so much.
1: One one story went. He showed up at at Dodger Stadium, at, at Ebbets Field, and I forget the, who the manager was told him he was going to play first base. Well, they, d- they wouldn't give him the first baseman glove. He had no first baseman glove, so he went out on the field with a regular glove. Yep, these wow. were his own, his own, own players. His own players. And uh, e- eventually they got to change and like him and play with him. Right, right, but uh, it took time. Yes. Monty Irvin on uh, the things I read, fantastic ball player, but he had a bad temper.
0: Oh, so that—that
1: <laughs> and, and that might not have worked. Yeah, and he—he he was young. He was 19 years old when he started playing in the in the Negro League. Right. It took until 1949 for him to get into the major leagues. Plus, he had two years of military. Mm. And when he got called up to the major leagues, he said, "I'm not." Half the player that I was 19 years ago, and he was bitter about it when he was 19. Ooh. And he lost a lot when he when he was pl- playing before he went into the service. He was a 400 hitter. Wow! When he came home, his the three years that he was gone.
0: Yeah,
1: he was only a 300 hitter. Yeah, and uh, and he that. blames it on the military because he he was overseas. Yeah. And they and going overseas. Some of them were drafted into the from World War II and World War One. But those that were drafted in World War Two, they went in because they were making more money mm. going into the military right. than they were playing ball. Problem was when they got into the military, nothing changed right. race racially because back then blacks were all together. They they had. No separate units; they weren't integrated. Right, right. The, the, they pl- they were in black units, mm-hmm. and the only whites in that unit were the officers. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, Buck O'Neill said he was in, he was overseas, and he he said if we captured a Jap, the Jap would be treated better than the black. Wow! And his uh, commanding officer; he was on in the navy. Commanding officer called him one day and says to him, "Hey Buck, you'll never believe what happened." So Buck O'Neill says, "Yeah, what happened?" He says, "Jackie Robinson is now going to be playing in the major leagues." He ran to find the intercom to the ship, and he made an announcement over the whole ship. Stephanie, and he he commented. He said there was more uh, happiness and yelling and screaming than VJ Day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that was the biggie. Yeah. And
1: uh and, and but every one of the blacks that that were in the military they they served proudly and with right. distinction. Yep. But they they let it be known that uh there was no difference than home.
0: Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. I get that. And there's so much history here, you know. It's great that um they're now recognized yes. by the Hall of Fame. I'm sure, I mean, most of those players are probably gone.
1: Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're all gone. I mean, out of those 35 that, mm-hmm. got in, that are inducted into the Hall of Fame, only six of them were alive to, to right. accept their award. The rest of them were already dead. Right. And, and when Jackie Robinson was admitted into the major leagues, most of them were either too old mm-hmm. to play or they were already dead too. Right. exactly. So, you exactly. know, it, it was a, a sad day. It's a sad day. But presently, it, right now, this year, it's their 100th anniversary. And if you you turn on the TV, that's all you see wow. about, about uh, the black baseball player. Mm-hmm. Even They've even gone into the other sports. Being a, a big hockey uh, enthusiast, there was a black, the first black player to play in the National Hockey League. He's still alive. He's 84. Willie O'Ree. And they have, they interviewed him. They were going to have his jersey hung. He played for the Boston Bruins. And I got to see him play wow. when I was a young man in in Madison Square Garden. And they were going to hang his uh, jersey from the rafters. Right. But they postponed it because of the pandemic, and they're going to do it next year. And I said to my wife, Yeah. Uh, Willie O'Ree may not be here next year. I
0: know. Well, that's the same. So
1: that's the gamble you're taking, and he was willing to do that.
0: Exactly. Well, with this being so timely, I'm thrilled that you're here with us to talk about it. For our viewers, deferred glory, heroes of the Negro baseball leagues, learn all about it, find out the history, so when you see it in the news, you know what's going on. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Stephanie. Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing.